0: Hey, it's Greg Stanley. As a new aspect of my automotive passion and hobby, I am a car specialist consultant for R.M. Sotheby's. If you need assistance consigning a collector car at Amelia Island, Pebble Beach, Auburn, West Palm, or Hershey, email me directly at gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. Hey, it's Greg with the Collector Car Podcast. Hey, I want to start off this episode with a few updates. Uh, a few listeners have asked how they can support the Collector Car Podcast more than just listening. So, I wanted to give you guys a couple ways that you could do that first off thanks for listening second off share with your friends if you could let them know there's a fun car centric podcast out there I would appreciate it uh subscribe obviously if you could leave a ratings on iTunes and check the number of stars you feel uh, you think is appropriate another way you can support is by going to patreon.com and you can always support financially by selecting the collector car podcast and picking whatever you feel is appropriate which would be awesome. It would help offset a lot of costs I have to put this out there. And now I wanted to get to a couple other things. So if you follow me on Instagram at the Collective Car Podcast and you heard a couple episodes ago about a really cool Acura NSXT that I was able to help get commissioned for our Monterey Shift Online Only Auction. So it was a 2000 Acura NSX-T with only 18,000 miles on it. And what made this one very special was the fact that it had Monaco blue paint. There was a total of 44 cars painted this color over two years. 44 or 41, something like that. So really cool. Uh, you could go to RMSothebys.com, look at the results. I had the estimate between 60 and 70 grand. It went all the way to $93,000 and it found itself a new home. I don't know where yet, but I will find out. And it would be really cool to see that car on the road. Now, another update is, is that we are sourcing cars for Hershey, Hershey Fall, which is coming up in October. So if you know of anyone who has any really cool outstanding cars pre 1950, you can always reach out to me or one of our other car specialists at rmsotheby's.com. You can reach out to me directly, gstanley at rmsotheby's.com. All right, now let's talk about cars and which ones you should buy right now. Now, these are not in hopes to make money on them, not as in an investment. These are what you should buy now if you ever want one and don't want to have to pay a ton of money. So they're still fairly affordable, but they're going up. Now, this is kind of like looking back into the early 1970s, knowing you could pick up an AC Cobra for $2,500. And now they're, you know, $2.5 million for one of the SC versions. It's just nuts. So think of this as your crystal ball into what will go up in the future this is based on one three and five year market trends some of them actually have appreciated quite a bit recently i think i have a one month market trend in here how do i quantify this so i basically look to see if their recent market trend has been flat maybe it's been flat for a very long time and all of a sudden it's starting to go up think of a u-shaped curve it was at the bottom of the depreciation for a long time And now it's starting to appreciate. Sometimes this can be because of demographic shifts. We have a lot more younger folks getting into the collector car market. And unfortunately, some older folks leaving the collector car market. The other thing I'm looking at are cars that peaked in 2015, which was the height of the collector car market. And it looks like they have already bottomed out and are going back up. So that they have flatlined basically. And now they're starting to go back up. Now, the one I'll start with is the one I mentioned just a second ago, first-generation Acura NSXs. It would have to be one of the special ones. They're out there all over the place. You can get a red one with 80,000 miles, 100,000 miles all day long, but you really want to find one of those low-mileage cars or with something special about it. Maybe it's got a cool Monaco blue paint job. Uh, Those are ones that you want to grab now. Now, to show you the increase, in the last three months, they've increased in value by 20.9% just in 3 months. Now the really special one that are already expensive, that's the 1999 Acura NSX 3.2 liter Zanari edition. They only made 49 of these and in the last 3 years they've appreciated up 47.1%. So that boat might have sailed, but if you were to only ever get one Acura NSX for your collection, this would be the one to get. They're approaching $200,000 now in mint shape. Now, the next one I like to pick out, and this is on a lot of folks' radar, but I wanted to call it out anyways, is another Acura, the 1997 Acura Integra Type R. These have appreciated a lot in the last three years of 55.1%. So if you can find a low mileage original one or just an original one that has less than 60,000 miles, grab it while you can. This next car I mentioned in a previous podcast, the 1970 Plymouth Cuda AAR. Uh, this is a beautiful car just wonderful car. I love these. And now they have really cratered. They have gone from, this is Haggerty data. Three years ago, they were number one condition. They were $162,000. And today they're only $108,000. So they've gone down a third in their valuation. And I think they have cratered. I think you will see these start turning around here quickly. And they're just wonderful cars. Very quick and light, small block, 340, not the heavy big block up front. So uh, those are really great cars. This next one might be kind of a curveball for everyone out there. If you're a fan of German rear-engine air-cooled cars, you're probably mostly about Porsches. But the one that you should invest in now, not invest in, the one you should buy now while they're still semi-cheap is a Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. In the last five months, they've gone up 53%. Now, why is this? Well, this is because of the Porsche trend. The 911s went through the roof. Well, what's coming after that? The 914s. So 914s in the last three years, they have gone up 136%. So it's hard to find those $25,000 914s anymore. In mint shape, they're almost up to $80,000 now. So now that the 914s have gotten respect in the marketplace and you're seeing their prices go up significantly, The Carmen Gias are growing up 53.3% again in the last five months. Now, this next one's interesting because I kind of stumbled across these, and I think they're underrated, and these are ones that might not go up for quite a while, but they are ones that are definitely worth it. I call them the second-tier Hypo muscle cars, the ones that are semi-rare. So I have two here I'd like to call out. If you listen to this long enough, you know I love the Hypo Mustangs, the K-Code, 271 horsepower, 289 cars from 1964 and a half, 1965, 66, and 67. Uh, Many folks don't know that the Ford Fairlane was actually the first one to have the K code engine put into it in 1963. So they made 200 of these cars in 1963. I think they even have them in 64 and 65. But you can get basically it's a discounted Mustang Hypo. I think they're typically 35 to 45 grand. Whereas a Hypo Mustang Coupe would be 45 to 55 grand, the convertibles can hit 100 grand. Those have quite the discount when compared to the Hypo Mustangs. Something along with this one, this is a much higher dollar spend, is the 66 Ford Mustang SCCA Sedan race cars. Now, if you're a Shelby fan, as I am, you know that in 1965, Carroll Shelby was tasked with to make the Mustang a cool car a fast car a race car to give it credentials and so what did he do he souped it up made it the gt350 Uh, i think there was 562 of those made in street form and then he made it into a world-winning race car and those were called the r models now actually they weren't called the r models but they are called the r models today 36 of those were built if you look at the vin on the two cars if it's an s it's it's for the second digit, that means it's one of the street cars. If it has an R, that means it's one of the race cars, and that's where it gets its name. Now, those cars have been going through the roof, the R models. One recently sold two or three weeks ago at Mika, Minneapolis. The Flying Shelby, the Flying Mustang, I believe is what it's called. It was the very first R model, and it sold for almost $4 million. And Now, these 66 Ford Mustang sedans, what's interesting about these cars is Ford was tired of Shelby getting all the accolades because it was a re VIN on these Shelbys. He won the manufacturer's title. He won all sorts of kudos for his racing efforts in 1965. And so Ford said, hey, wait a minute, we want to win this ourselves, but we don't want to compete with you, so let's race in the sedan class. So these are sedans and not fastbacks, but it's basically in our model in sedan form and it's called a ford mustang now these started at as keiko hypo cars and then mustang worked i'm sorry shelby worked his magic to make these the uh, race cars that they are today so they're i want to say there were 16 of them built and there's 11 known to exist i think i actually know where one of the missing ones may be the r models are 900 grand to 4 million right now these SCCA racers are under $400,000. So like I said, higher price point. But if you can get one now, now would be the time to do it. The next one is one that I found two miles from my house, a 1968 Mercury Cougar 7-liter GTE. So now this is really special in that it's the same 427 side oiler that was put into the AC Cobras. It was put into 357 Cougars in 1968. Not a very well-known model. Uh, They also had 428s in these. 428s are actually rarer. They only put 37 of them in this particular model of Cougar. So if you can find either the 427 or the 428 uh, for the Mercury Cougar GTE in 1968, grab those up. So the one down the street from me, I just happened to stumble across. It's red on red. They just had the engine rebuilt Uh, I believe sticker on these in mint shape is about $100,000. That's a huge discount, obviously, from the AC Cobras that are over a million dollars. So anyone who is a big collector of either JDM cars, Asian cars, or just want iconic cars across the 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever, they're going to have a Datsun 240Z in their collection. And typically, it would be the very first year. So if you see any Datsun 240Zs that are in great shape, under you know 60,000 miles or so, or have been restored to the nines, grab it up now. Over the last three years, they have gone up 27.5%. It was the first Japanese sports car to really make an impact in the U.S. Another Japanese sports car I think is worth looking at right now is the 1969 Toyota 2000 GT. Now, these have, I believe, cratered out. They were as high as 1.2 million a few years ago back in 2015, and they've been pretty flat lately around $800,000. So they, again, lost 33.3% of their valuation over the last three years, and I think those are due to rise again. Another one, this isn't a lot of data or insights on it, but it's the 1986 to 1989 Mercedes 560 SLs these you can basically figure out the price that they're going to be based on mileage. If they have 100,000 miles on them, they're $10,000 cars, no matter what the condition is. If they have 50,000 miles on them, they're $40,000 cars. If they have 20,000 miles, they're $80,000. And if they're under 10,000 miles, they could ding the $100,000 mark, uh, but that rarely happens. I bring this up because I ran across a gorgeous 1987 Mercedes 560 SL red with black interior. Absolutely mint condition with 106,000 miles on it, it's a $10,000 car. And it's just about the most attractive, enjoyable, uh, well-built $10,000 car you'll ever find out there. And it just floors me that these things have not gone up. And I think they will eventually. Now, once you cross over the 100,000 mile mark, the uh, appreciation will be a lot less, obviously. Now, the next one might surprise a few folks because I probably, I know I've said in some of these previous podcasts that there's a big demographic shift going out there. A lot of the stuff in the 30s, 40s, and 50s has slowed down from a market trends perspective. But this one, I think, has bottomed out. Uh, It's 1957 Chrysler 300C. Really, any of the Chrysler 300 letter cars, those are just, again, iconic cars from the 50s. Uh, We'll start seeing some of the lesser, not as iconic cars kind of fall out of interest going forward. It's basically our pool of cars from the 50s that people are interested in will start dwindling down, at least for a little while. Uh, Then once you get tired of seeing the same cars at a car show, some of the rarer stuff or less common stuff will start showing up again. Now, the next few is a technologically historical car or cars. Uh, This is, again, one I ran across, and you can find this one at R.M. Sotheby's Auburn Fall Sale. Uh, I ran across this uh, in a collection that I was fortunate enough to consign some cars for. Um, this is the 1963, I believe, Jetfire, Oldsmobile Jetfire. Now, what's special about this car is the 1963 Jetfire was the very first turbo V8 ever put into production. And the one I saw the other day, it's like a light beige with a beautiful tan interior, dark, kind of dark brown, tannish color. Uh, really cool, had cool little icons, had a cool little turbo boost gauge in the console. Small car, almost sedate when you look at it from the outside. But when you pop that hood, it has, got the, it has the most amazing engine in there. It's like a 215-cubic-inch V8 with a turbo on it. When I want to understand most of the time these turbos don't work or it's hard to tell exactly when there's a turbo kick. But the fact that almost every car nowadays, or will be soon, either it will be electric or turbo, and I think all Ferraris now are turbo, folks really want to go back and understand the history of turbo cars. And this being the first V8 turbo in American history and my, maybe even in the, in the world, uh, would be one for the collection. Now, we have this price, I think it was between thirty and $40,000. Well online, it's gone up 137.5% in just three months. So I'm sure it's not because I found my first one ever. <laughs> There's something else that must be, uh, must be driving that. I'd like to dig into it a little bit more to figure out what is driving that massive increase now we're on to some italian cars let's see a 2009 ferrari scudiera spider 16m ferrari made the scudiera which i believe means a stable of horses that's it's pretty much the track focused street version so it has more power stiffer springs Uh, Different things like that. Well, they made a special 16M version, which was convertible only, and this commemorates their 16th Formula One Constructors World Championship in 2008, which is pretty cool. Uh, These are pretty rare. They're expensive. They're still about 300 grand right now, but it's going to be one of the most desired, quote unquote, still kind of analog Ferraris ever. Great driver car, open top, rare. They only made 499 of them, and all of them, all of them were sold out before they hit the road. Now, the next one's kind of a group of cars. Any manual Ferrari or Lamborghini from the 2000s. So they were built in small quantities to begin with. I think Ferrari, depending on the model, it was under 30% of the cars had a manual transmission. Lamborghini for the Murciago and the Gallardo, it was even smaller. So if you can find any of those manual <laughs> supercars that are you know, 15 to 20 years old, you need to get them right now. One recently sold triple the price of a non-manual Ferrari, which is really nuts. This next one is another group of cars. Any car from the 1980s, under 60,000 miles, that's kind of like a time capsule. Uh, there's a phenomenon going on right now. You call it young timers, call it the, the Radwood effect, but stuff from the 80s is pretty hot. It can be a station wagon that your grandmother has it could be a little toyota Tercel that is in mint shape with seven thousand miles it could almost be anything from the 80s and there is one at auburn fall that just i saw it today and i was like oh my gosh i can't believe that car is in here it was a 1988 buick century limited coupe now this one when i saw this picture i was like oh my gosh that car that still exists a lot of these cars from the mid to late 80s they just don't exist anymore because they weren't built the best in the world and they rusted or they weren't taken care of and they were disposable cars. Well, this car, while I was in college, my dad found one and paid like 600 bucks for it as a student car. And it was black with maroon interior, all original, really clean. And when I was at college, I had to share it with my sister. And one day we, we lived in different areas. So one day I look outside and it's gone. I'm like, what happened to, this? I guess my sister picked it up. So I called her. She did not pick it up. Well, it was stolen. And a couple days later, it was recovered with four guys in the car. One of them was over 16. The other three were under 16. And they were drug dealers. And they were arrested. And it turns out what happened was two girls swiped my car. And they traded it for crack cocaine. And then it was the drug dealer and his buddies that were cruising in the car around the Tallahassee airport, which is what happened. And so (laughs) because... The car wasn't worth much. It had an obscenity carved into the hood. My dad never got the steering column fixed where they broke into it to hotwire it. So basically, the remainder of the time that I had the car, it had the obscenities on the hood, and I started it with a screwdriver. And so when I saw this car, which only has 19,000 miles on the autometer, uh, I'm like in love with this car. I don't think my wife would let me buy it. (laughs) I really don't need it. I probably don't want it. But I will guarantee you when I'm in Auburn fall in a couple of weeks, I'm going to sit in that car and soak in the memory. So if you have one of those cars from the 80s and you actually find it, uh, you definitely need to grab it. The other one, and I actually put a Google alert on for this one, is a absolutely horrible 1982 Isuzu i diesel. I've probably mentioned this one before. I thought this thing was good looking, and it turns out it's based on the Chevette. So the front end totally looks like a Chevette. Anyways, it's a cool fastback Uh, Mine was silver with a racing stripe like down the sides at LS, and it had maroon interior, five-speed diesel. It was slow as molasses. And what I loved about the car, though, was if someone was tailgating too closely, you could dump the clutch and put out a huge black cloud of diesel fumes on them, and they would get the hint, and they would back off. I have some fond memories in this car because my dad and I drove it up to Maine to go camping, And we were trailering a U-Haul trailer behind it. And I don't know why, but my dad had a car hauler, car topper in the trailer. So we're upside, I don't know, outside of Pennsylvania somewhere on a highway. And all of a sudden the car starts acting squirrely while I'm driving. Well, the U-Haul trailer was a hunk of junk and the rear axle had rusted out. And so uh, we're losing the trailer and it's kind of wiggling, you know, fish tailing behind me, pulling me sideways. So thankfully I was able to pull over. And thankfully, that that car topper was in there. We put it on top of the Isuzu i mark with no cushions or anything, so it scraped the paint up like crazy. We just strapped it down with a bunch of bungee cords, and we kept on going. Now, the downside to that was is we lost about ten miles per, hour, per gallon on gas. When we would go up a hill, we'd lose about fifteen miles per hour in speed, and when we go down a hill, we would get all that speed back. So we'd we'd pass someone as we're going down a hill; they pass us while we go up the hill. We pass them while we go down a hill. Anyway, some great memories there uh, on that car. So those, again, just do not exist. So if you if you do Google 1982 Isuzu iMark diesel, there you will find one that looks exactly like the one that we had 30 years ago. And then the last thing I'd like to say is I appreciate your support. I appreciate you listen to, listening to me ramble on about cars. Obviously, I could do it all day. I love all different kinds of cars, every generation Uh, Just a joy to get out there and see them and drive them and ride in them. So I hope you get as much enjoyment as I do. And we will talk to you all next week. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.